Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, hello, this is Recap the Nation, a Fake the Nation bonus where we talk some of your favorite pop culture films and TV shows and we recap the living daylight out of them today. We are throwing ourselves into the gourmet ball pit that is the bear season two, episodes three and four. Don't worry, regular episodes of Fake the Nation will still appear in this very feed on Thursdays, as they always do. But for today and for the next few weeks, we'll be digging into the culinary chaos that is the bear on FX and Hulu. I'm so excited for today panel. They're both um, Fake the Nation veterans. Corey Ryan Forster, I almost never say the person's name first. I don't know why I did that, but Corey Ryan Forster is our first panelist. (laughs) We're just mixing things up here. He has a new book out. It's called Around Here and Over Yonder, and it is available for pre-order on um, everywhere that you pre-order books, uh, like places like IndieBound and Bookshop.org. And I'm so excited uh, because he is so excellent. He's so prolific is the other thing. He's so hilarious. I've had the pleasure of working with him. Um, and again, it is the excellent Corey Ryan Forrester. Hey, Corey. Hey. Nagin, how are you? Don't you dare call me prolific. <laughs> I know. It's like it becomes an anxiety trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I'm like, am I doing too or, much? Or, yeah, or, or like, oh, fuck, how am I going to keep this going? Because I want her to call me prolific in a year from now. Um, it's yes, it's never good. I, I take it all back. You're fucking lazy. What are you even doing with your life? Also, go get this man's book. All right. Um, also joining us today, I mean, he's uh, I mean, he's a part of what? Like 90% of all podcasts. But specifically today, I want to let you guys know that he's host of the TED podcast, Good Sport. Um, but I mean, you've heard him everywhere. I, I, I even, he's he goes way back to like WNYC days. This man has literally touched every part of the audio world. Um, and he, you've heard him on Fake the Nation before. You've loved him before. He is the one and only Jody Avergan. Hey, Jody. Hello there. This is fun. And Corey, nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Um, well, we're going to um, get into it. I mean, like, I, I'm going to just start with like a real softball, vague question before we get into the specifics of the episode. But now we're on episodes three and four, right? And so this the the season has hit a certain point, right? Like it's it's doing what it's going to do. Um, do you feel like it is living up to the hype? 
Well, Corey? <laughs> if you want me to take that, I will say yes, 100%. It feels very different, uh, which I'm, I'm – like, it's still – when the first episode aired, I was like, okay, we're not getting that. You know, I've compared this show to Uncut Gems a little bit. Yes, It wasn't yes. as frenetic. Uh, which was cool, but then as I as I get through the season, I sort of compare this season to like uh, Ted Lasso season three, where they've they've de- they're still doing the same thing, but they've departed from the format a little bit, and now we're getting like individual character episodes, so we can mm-hmm. see who these people are outside of the job. You know, because like, I mean, everybody had their own personalities, but we're all in the kitchen. We're all have one similar goal. But now we're getting to see who Marcus is. We're getting to see uh, who Rita is like. I've really I've really loved it. It's the actors, I'm sure, having a blast with it, getting to show off some of their range. And uh, it's been really it's been really fun. And by Rita, I believe. Did you mean Tina? That's what I meant. Tina. Yeah, I did. Yep, I'm an idiot. She does. She does give off a Rita air, so yeah. that makes sense to me. He's playing Wordle, and he's closely <laughs> right, he's right, working right. his way towards <laughs> her name. Close, I yeah. apologize, Jody. Um, you know, we we talked about loving this uh, this show. Is it living up to season one's hype? Well, you know, hype. I mean, it's interesting because I I think especially these episodes three and four were really um, satisfying to watch on their own. And if you kind of just got dropped in without an idea of what this show is, it would be really kind of beautiful and almost like languid and just like, uh, and it looked, you know, really um, satisfying to film. Like I would have loved to be part of episode three where you just drive around Chicago and eat at all the best restaurants. Like that seems wonderful. Um, But, you know, in terms of comparing it to the things that I think so many people reacted to with this show, which was that kind of pressure cooker uh, in the kitchen kind of uncut gems vibe that you were referring to, Corey, I found it a little strange or just kind of didn't know what to make of the fact that all of a sudden then for these two episodes, at least we just kind of like slow way the hell down and go really far away from that, especially the thing that kind of felt a little clunky or disconnected for me Uh was that they spend the first two episodes setting up this like very very clear device of like a calendar and like 18 weeks you know and it's like tick tock tick tock tick and then for two episodes we don't see the calendar they're just like wandering around europe (laughs) and chicago and so it just yeah it just felt like how do i fit this in to this kind of runaway train of uh propulsive show that i think we've all come to expect or enjoy well let's get into episode three the episode starts in a drab room lit by a hideous fluorescent light where carmy delivers a monologue to us um i think to his grief group or his, his al-anon group it's 11 weeks till open and carmy is still sad and the dude has some real anxiety carmy says to his grief group maybe if i could provide more amusement or enjoyment for myself maybe it would be easier for me to provide it to for others and i just wondered is this the fucking thesis for human existence or what (laughs) i mean Corey, when you heard that it again like we Corey um was with us when we did the season one entirety recap Mm -hmm. um we drew so many parallels to stand-up comedy we continue to draw parallels but there's something here that I feel like again speaks to the weird pressure of um of comedians. Corey, what did you feel hearing that line? Yeah, I started relating to him really hard during this season because this line was sort of set up by I think the first episode when Richie Richie says, uh, "This is fun for you," and he's like, "No, this isn't fun for me." And he's like, "But you love it," and he's like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Okay, well, what is fun for you?" And he's like, "I'll have to get back to you on that." So then we cut to he's here, and he's like, "If I could only provide more amusement for myself," and like that hit me really hard because it's like this dude clearly has a passion for food, and he's been successful, and he's quote unquote living his dream. Now, granted, there's a lot of uh, he's got a lot of stress on him, but like he still finds that he's not enjoying himself, and like yeah, that is. Like all of human existence is like it's it's way more complicated to be happy than it should be, or you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. he he just doesn't. I don't know. Like I really really related to that. I just don't know what to do to make myself smile. Uh, yeah, that was deep. Well, yeah, and I think the whole episode kind of plays out um, in that way, and mostly focuses on Sid uh, on Sydney's kind of exploration of some of these themes of like how do I um rekindle my love and passion and uh how does that then affect 
you know, what I do um, as a profession. And so as a kind of like episode that I think says a lot of really interesting things about um, teams, you know, and how people interact and build um build not just kind of like get work done, but also take care of each other, you know, uh, and then also creativity, which I really think was the kind of like thrust of this episode. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting and gave me a lot to think about and certainly gave itself the space to think about. I mean, like a couple things happen, but mostly it's just like wandering around and, wandering around, and right. seeing like amazing well, montages of like One of the dishes. like little things that happens, and I just wanted to hear your take on this was... Um, Carmi gets a call from the girl from Claire Bear, yeah. and it turns out that he had given her a fake number. I mean, or did he give her a fake number? I mean, what? Even in the moment, Jody, at, in the deli when they run into each other, um, the bodega or whatever that was, um, supermarket. Anyways, whatever that place <laughs> was, I was like, what are human like terms for bodega. these things? We, those are, yeah. they call but it's a bodega. It doesn't matter. New York. Actually, you know what the name for those are? In, at least in New York, what they're starting to call those is markets, right? So you have the supermarket right. and the bodega and the like thing in, in between. between. Yeah, yeah. The, I spent a lot of money at the thing in between because um, <laughs> yes. I also charge higher rates. They're so pleasant though. So it's like you like going in. Do they have cats? A lot of them. Uh, first of all, I don't buy my $1 coffees at a bodega that doesn't have a cat. Like, that would just be fucking crazy. Yeah, well, would you? Um, but, but Jody, do you, even in, that, even in that moment, it felt like he was lying to her about his phone number, I mean, right? I made a note to myself, you know, and I'm curious whether you talked about this in the previous one. We did it. We, and and I, I meant to, I but we didn't talk about it. And, yeah, I made a mo- note to myself in real time, and it was like, fake number, question mark? Yes! So it, was nice, it was nicely planted. And then nicely followed up. And I love the introduction of this new character. Again, sort of weird that we introduce her in this interesting way. And she has this one moment where she calls him up and like calls him out. But otherwise, she's like disappeared. And, you know, again, that's where I kind of feel like did these two episodes, especially like how do they fit in? How do they cohere? We plant all these seeds of the sort of narrative arc. And then we kind of don't follow up on them right away, which is fine. But it just felt, you know, I mean, Carmine is basically absent from episodes three and four as mm. well, except for a couple little moments, um, which again is, you know, it's fine. I mean, I think a big part of this show and, I, and frankly, I think a big part of the discourse around this show is kind of like we want to get to know these other ancillary characters a little bit more. And so I th- in some weird way, this these two episodes felt like kind of I wouldn't say necessarily fan service or whatever, or like reaction or response to some of the well, that like kind of world but it building. kind of felt like, oh, you want to you wanna get to know these folks? All right, well, then here you go. We're going to send one of them to, well, we'll get to that episode. Yeah, well, send one it, of them to Europe because right. we have the budget now. It, and then it, the other it, one's going to just wander <laughs> around. Uh, but it feels lucky that we, it, 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 in that it is world building, I also feel like, oh, I do care about every single character. Like I'm not, you know, you'll get into a show and you're yeah. like, ah, I don't really love that storyline. Like I don't feel that way about any of these storylines. And the meat of this episode is basically Sydney eating her way through Chicago. First of all, I was jealous of this eating. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. fuck. Um, but I also thought what was really interesting, Corey, I'm interested to hear your take about this. Like we were getting a real peek into the creative process for her. She's trying all this food. She's taking elaborate notes. This very much, I mean, this very much feels like, again, she's just writing. I was uh-huh. like, oh, is she writing a bit? She's writing a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, Corey, what do you think of watching this creative process unfold? No, that's exactly how it felt like to me is taking a little bit from here, getting a little inspiration. Oh, that doesn't work. This doesn't work. And then when she's like actually trying to, you know, put it all down, like like three times during this episode, she spit out food that she had made, I believe. Yeah. And and I was just thinking, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder if it was really because I've I cook and I'm not saying I'm great, but I'm pretty good. And I've never made anything that I ended up having to spit out. And I thought those reactions were over the top. Yeah. I made a note to myself. I was like, this is yeah. really, and it's they're like, making food that's this bad. The only way that I can justify it is like, her palate is just clearly way better than mine. So things that I would eat, she would consider disgusting. Disgusting. You know? <laughs> but I was like, right. but I'm just like, you made it. You know how much of everything you put in it. Cause, yeah. And they were like, oh my God, there's too much salt. I'm like, how? Well, our palates I, are fucked was the line. Yeah, our palates yeah. are fucked. But I was like, I, first off, I mean, I'm a redneck from Georgia. There ain't no such thing as too much salt. 
All right, I'm sodiumed <laughs> up. I'm, I got I O dine, baby. But like, yeah. So, but it, but again, that was like the creative process. Like, it probably wasn't that bad. She's just so critical of herself. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, we it can is be a little with bit jokes. like. Do you guys um? Do you guys remember watching the like the like Jerry Seinfeld doc? Um, oh yeah, comedian with Orny Adams. Ago? Um, you know where he's like obsessing over one or two words, yeah. right? It's like about word, like word choice and i mean that's what it felt like to me is the too mm-hmm. much salt is like this one word is fucking ruining the punchline and i fuck i'm so fucking mad but like to the average person it's like it's one word what's the big deal yeah. now i do want to say the other the 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 reaction still red is over the top because carmy says sid hey that was nearly perfect mm. Right. And I'm like, well, if it was nearly perfect, why would you <laughs> spit, spit it, out. it yeah. out? I mean, that's such a fucking crazy. It's just it feels mismatched. It, like uh, foodies out there, please hit me up if you spit something out that is nearly perfect. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it just had a little too much salt. Like, fuck. I mean, so here's the other thing about Sydney. So she's out here. She's she's running into a lot of people that she knows from the industry. Um, she's she's some um, Carmi's made some calls for her to go and look at some slabs of meat, like whatever. Right. So she's seeing a lot of folks and they're sort of congratulating her. Oh, congrats on your solo. She's like, it's not exactly solo. You know, I'm going to be in a partnership. Now, here's the thing. Like trust between Sid and Carmi is fraying throughout this day um she doesn't have a formal formal partnership with him what's her share like what are their contingencies we don't know any of these things really so my question here is jody how much of a right does she have to what she thinks of as an equal partnership or is this an equal partnership like what does she set herself up for I mean, I think she's realizing she has there's questions she hasn't asked, you know, and so much as this has been about kind of her starting to feel like she belongs. And right when she gets to that moment and and belongs, you know, creatively, talent wise, personality wise. And so then kind of right when she starts to take those steps into it, then all these other kind of reality check questions come in. I think it's really interesting. I think it's probably planting really interesting seeds for for future episodes. Um but I don't know. I mean, I think she's, yeah, she's trying to, I, you know, I love the idea, by the way, that Carmine like sends her a text that's like, why don't you take the day off? And then we cut to a montage of her going to like 17 different restaurants yeah. in one <laughs> afternoon. You know? That's what like, I do on my day ex- off. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, totally unre- unrealistic for her to have done all completely, that in, in completely. one day. But, you know, nevertheless, um, you know, really kind of wonderful uh, exploration of of, of her beca- but you know I think she's in pure kind of like inspiration creativity mode and then there's all these people who are like tugging at her sleeve and being like by the way you know this is a business and there's money at stake and you got to start thinking about those things but I don't think she wants to or doesn't want to let herself do that she's taking it kind of one step at a time um Corey are you how much is she concerned do you think like where wh- how nervous is she getting throughout I this think- day this is actually the story, the part of the storyline that that like sort of agitates me the most and is getting yeah. me the most nervous. Just because like I've been I've been in the quote unquote entertainment business for twenty years, and there have been many a times where I entered into an unspoken agreement yeah. about what you know we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, wait, how much am I getting? What you know, blah 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 blah. But she's like, so this is all inexperience here, I guess. Like she's young. Like when we were young comedians, we didn't think about the money, we didn't think about the credit. Yeah. We're just like, I've got to do this thing. This is my passion. And, and there was no money. <laughs> it, and there was no money, so it didn't matter. Yeah, half of zero is zero, baby. You know, so. I don't know, like, I, I can't decide what her expectations need to be, because it's like, Carmi is the the superior here, like, he's the one that's worked in a yeah. Michelin star restaurant, this is ultimately his restaurant, but she's doing, at this point, especially with him fucking off and seeing Claire and doing all this, she's doing all the work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not not all of it, but she's doing it. She's do, she's taking she's doing on some a, heavy lifting. She's yeah. doing some real heavy lifting, and I think you know the conversation with her dad and all these people saying this, and then the guy in the meat store that's like, uh, she's like, oh, what? Why didn't your restaurant work? And he's like, oh, my partner took off with all the money. Like you start seeing it go through her mind of like, hey, wait, 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 I did just meet this guy not that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. so I don't know if this is an unpopular take or what, but like. Part of me is like, 
clearly Carmi should have whatever the the bigger share. Clearly, like this is this restaurant is his family legacy and his birthright, and his, you know what I mean. Clearly, he's put in the time. He's the one who went to Copenhagen. He's the one that has three stars. You know what I mean? Like, he's the one that with the name and the smarts and the expertise and the real estate, the straight up real estate, right? Um, so part of me is like, she, I mean, this this is, and again, you're right, like, you know, early in, early in comedy, I would get certain, you know, um, offers to be involved in stuff, I would be afraid to ask yep. about partnership. Yep. I would be afraid to ask about what is my specific role and what is my percentage and what does that really mean? Because I didn't want to rock the boat and I didn't want the thing to fall apart and I didn't want it to just vanish. And I think, you know, and I think it's normal to behave that way. And I also think if you're in her shoes, you also have to realize, like, you have not paid sufficient dues. Yes, she had a failed business, but still, that is not sufficient dues, I think, like, for what's happening um, at the level that they're trying to operate. And, I mean, she's really sort of swirling and basking in this moment of a creative um, inspiration, which I found really moving, kind of that depiction of that. And so all these other things are, like, intrusive thoughts or whatever. Oh, and exactly. They're intrusive thoughts to those perfect raviolis that she keeps constructing in her mind, you know? Mm Because that's what we want to see. I want to, by the way, really loved the cutaways to what she's envisioning. I thought I that, that was yeah. beautiful. That's the kind of shit I love filmmaking wise. Um, and, and we're, and again, you're seeing a, 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 in the way that a joke is constructed, you might have a line that you think is funny, but the premise isn't ironed out and none of the fucking everything else is not ironed out, but there's just like a phrase that you're obsessed with. And that to me is like that naked ravioli on a plate and it really felt so true to the creative process but can i can i i mean can i just say a couple things about the sort of depiction of creativity here because i found it really kind of inspiring and kind of hitting me at at the right moment i mean one the sort of the the just the very notion that they hit a creative dead end and their instinct is we need to go eat we need to go see other people's work, yeah. right? No, which I mean, it's such a mature yeah. response because I think so many times if you go and look at other people's work, it can be debilitating, right? Or you can start to measure yourself against it. But in fact, you know, that's the only way to get good is to kind of take in as many influences as possible. I mean, I heard a description of creativity once as kind of like what happens when basically you take in so many influences that they just blur together. Mm-hmm. And then you have the confidence to kind of step out in front of that. And that's where you get quote unquote talent, right? It's just sort of like this, you know, but but like you have to take in all of those influences. I don't know if this is in the Coach K book or not, but you know, you have to take in all of those influences and have them blur together. But that's a hard thing to do, right? Because you could see her going to all these other restaurants and getting despondent because, oh, look how good they are. We're never going to be this good. But instead, it's just this kind of like really. And, it you know, it, it made me I have to remind myself of that all the time. Like if I'm in a field, a creative field, I need to go listen to stuff and read stuff and not measure myself against it, but just get inspired and be open to it. Yeah, I that's really difficult. That. <laughs> yeah. Like if I'm yeah. if I'm in a slump comedically and I'm like, I'm not my writing's off or I'm blah, 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 blah. And then I go watch Bill Burr. I'll be like. See, I'm never going to be. Right. It makes you. I think, you know what I find useful, though? And I think I wonder if this was happening for her to like, you know, she some of the food she was eating was like Asian, you know what I mean? It looked like, you know, udon noodles or something. I don't know what it was. But um, like, I I think it's good to go to an adjacent genre to get inspiration because you, you don't want to do the comparison game because that'll, yeah, it'll just make you upset, right? (laughs) You're not Bill Burr. Um, But, but does it make me upset to not be, you know, um, I don't know, uh, the other two on HBO max or whatever? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not, my my standup is not being the other two, but the other two is a great source of like comedic inspiration, whatever. That's just on my mind because it's not being renewed for a fourth season. RIP. Um, but, uh, but, um, but I do, I, I think you're right. It is such a mature reaction and I loved it. And then one, the other thing I really loved about this episode is that she, 
Um, she goes, so there's a lot of poaching. One of my best friends runs a restaurant in, in Los Angeles. Um, it's called Lemon Poppy Kitchen. Um, everyone should go. It's so, so delicious. And, um, you know, she's always just telling me stories about like the restaurant world in LA, which is also, you know, this kind of cutthroat world. And one of the things that makes it so cutthroat is that it's really, really hard to hire people. And so when I saw her trying to like poach those guys <laughs> that were like taking a break behind the kitchen or whatever, and then the owner comes out is like are you literally poaching people right in front of me like get like, the so fuck meek. out she's so meek about it right yeah. I mean, it's a perfect sydney thing yeah where it's like she has this instinct that i should own this and i yeah. belong yeah. And i'm gonna try this thing but she's like squirming in her own body as she's doing it I mean, totally no it was so funny but i think that's just the world like there is literally that stuff happens in the restaurant world and i find it hilarious okay let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll get into episode four Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thank you to Angie for sponsoring this HeadGum Podcast. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Indeed. So if you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Yeah, doing stuff yourself seems fun, but then you actually get to, you know, solving a problem and you realize that mm -hmm. you can create 10 more problems and then you probably should have just paid a, yeah. a professional to deal with it right off the bat. You can easily injure and or maim yourself as well. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. You just get the app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. It's very convenient. It sure is, folks, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. So download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Thank you, Angie. Angie.com. Thank you. 
We want to tell you about a podcast we think you're going to love. It's called See the Thing Is, and it's hosted by Grammy Award-winning R&B artist Bridget Kelly and media personality Mandy B. Every week, Bridget Kelly and Mandy B offer grown, honest, and slightly toxic perspectives on all things music, pop culture, and of course, dating and relationships, which is my fave. Do you have a hard time finding new music? Are you a millennial who misses what life was like in the 2000s? Are you interested in multiple perspectives on relationships? Relationships and dating? Are you interested in a non-male bashing podcast that holds both sexes accountable? See, the thing is, is a podcast that allows space for a wide range of thoughts and emotions. Most recently, the ladies sat down with Big Frida and Chloe Bailey and just huge names. Van Lathan, who's one of my favorite people to listen to, to chat about movies. So the conversations they're having are phenomenal. Join Bridget and Mandy every week as they update you on everything going on in the world with their polarizing hot takes. Subscribe to See The Thing Is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday. And we are back, and let's get into it with episode four. Uh, It's titled Honeydew. It's seven weeks from opening, and because everything seems like it's not coming together, the white boar says, fuck my life to death. (laughs) Sugar finally admits that she's pregnant. Marcus visits his mom and tells her that he's doing a stage in Copenhagen, and off we go. So, um, I don't know, Marcus in Copenhagen. um, uh, Corey, what did you think? Well, I thought good for him. You know, this guy needs a win right now. Yeah. Um, and th- all that stuff with his mom, man. I mean, that really, that really got me uh, pretty bad. Uh, we're yeah. getting to see, we're getting to see how sweet he is. Um, I it, it's they talked about it's. I want to like so they're spending uh, five hundred thousand dollars extra of this dude's money, and they if they also <laughs> have it in the budget to send him to Copenhagen. Yeah. Which I thought was a little like I don't know about this. Now, granted, he's staying. Uh, at the at, in the boathouse that we'll find out later, you know that uh, that Carmi had stayed in or whatever, and I, it's great uh, because I love what's the what's the dude? Um, oh my God, he's in the new Marvel movies. He was in We're the Millers. He's the is chef. it something Potter? Polter, William Potter Pol- or something? Polter or Porter? something. I, don't, I can't remember, but I love that a dude. Really good looking guy. He's yeah. yeah, he's really. It's so wild that he's the guy from We're the Millers. He played the best dork in the world, and now he's like a stud. Really? But yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really buying too much. Like we're in the middle of this very stressful moment. We've got a couple weeks to open, and by the way, go to Copenhagen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I love it for him, but I just thought it kind of took away from the whole we're on a shoestring budget here. By the way, that guy's name is William Will Will Poulter. Yeah, Will Poulter. Love yeah, him. that's right. But uh, I mean, that, total that up budget, and coming actor. That budget thing goes for the show, the bear itself. I mean, right. this is this strikes me as very clearly a like we have money yep. episode, and like Succession. I know Succession was about rich people, but like there were there was a moment in like season two of Succession where they were like, we're just gonna do this aerial shot in Sweden. Yep. For like 15 seconds for no reason other than the fact that we now are a successful TV show and we can go there. Right. Uh, and this felt like, why not? Let's go to Copenhagen. I don't know there's connections to the show, but I mean, it felt very much like a flex <laughs> from a like film, from a, small from a show. show perspective. Yeah, for a small yeah, yeah. Show. I mean, there's, and, a, and, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of that. And I, but I also think they, they set up Copenhagen. They set up the European stuff with, yeah. um, with Carmi in season one, it's sort of, and I think when it comes to fine dining, Europe is sort of hovering over the show all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I yeah. felt like I felt like it made sort of sense. But I want to say to listeners out there, multiple you, multiple of you have DM'd me about the economics of the restaurant. And Jody, do you have any answers about that? I mean, none of it makes sense that they would go <laughs> that they have the money to not only pay his wages but to send him to Copenhagen. They don't have the money right. to like do a prop like for the proper renovations or whatever. How they- much mold could you kill for one flight to Copenhagen? Yeah, right. I mean, uh, exactly. But, I mean, that's where I'm like, I'm not. I think that these two episodes, and I would say maybe even this one more than the previous one, are episodes that are like stepping away from the kind of 
internal logic of the show and the like narrative propulsion of the show and they're like vibes episodes and yes we're learning more about the characters but i mean they're just like they're floating around and the music cues are getting like even more and more over the top i mean kind of in a wonderful way but at some at one point i just started laughing at kind of the musical choices and how much it's just sort of um right you know it was just it was just amping up the vibes and amping up the vibes but you know this felt like this episode felt like um it felt like Master of None or some Atlanta episodes. And I mean, Rami Youssef directed this episode. And I think there's a sort of DNA that runs through a lot of this stuff. But, you know, I mean, they just felt like we're floating around and we're, you know, and there's this little set piece. I mean, we'll get to it, but the set piece with the with the biker that doesn't really go anywhere, but it just kind of sets a tone, sets a mood, you know. Um, well, let's like, talk about the, that, term, that yeah, set piece yeah, but with I, the It biker. just felt completely divorced from like the A to B to C of the yeah. plot of the show. Like Carmine's gone. That girl he met is gone for an entire episode. Like it just kind of feels so I there so the is money a, thing. There is a capsuliness really to to this yes. episode. Um and I am so first of all, one you know, we'll talk about the biker thing, but real quick, Will Poulter I was expecting to get a Joel McHale scenario. Yeah. Um which in terms of it being good writing, they did not give us our expectations because I think every man, woman, and child watching the show, and I hopefully there are no children watching the show, but um was expecting Will Poulter to be a fucking dick, right? 100%. Like we were just expecting that and we didn't get it. We did get precision. We did get directness, right? It's not he wasn't overly warm and overly friendly. Um he but he was a good teacher, right? Yeah. Um there was a lot of tweezing. Um, Ryan, what did you think of of the the teachery part of this episode? I'm sorry, Corey. Did I call you Ryan? <laughs> yes, you did, and I'm sorry. I should have I should have thought. Oh, that's my middle name. That's me. Um, I'm with, I I'm I with you. I, I spent almost the entire time waiting for the other shoe to drop because it, like you said, they didn't give us what we thought, and the reason that we thought it was because we just have this setup of like Marcus being this sweet mama's boy. He's going through some stuff. And then right. I'm expecting them to make us hate Will Poulter because yeah. he doesn't know any of this stuff that's going on. He's going to be an asshole to him. But yeah, he wasn't. Told him some cool stories. And, you know, like you said, it was just vibes, vibes, vibes. Like that was clearly a feel good moment for us of like seeing Marcus take be very coachable and, you know, learn. You could really see his passion. But I just, I genuinely can't believe that we didn't get the Gordon Ramsay moment. Like, it almost feels like a missed opportunity. But at the same time, I mean, you know, whatever. That's what we thought was going to happen. And they were just like, nope, screw you. Yeah, yeah because also the, the fine dining world isn't only filled with monsters, right? Like, it can't just be filled with monsters. Right. <laughs> well, that's funny. I mean, I you know, I feel like, I, I don't think that... I. I don't know if I believe this, but it is interesting that like some of the criticism of the bear. I mean, did you see the Rick Bayless thing that kind of bubbled up? Mm -hmm. No. I mean, Rick Bayless this week, I think, criticized the bear and said he said something like, you know, Rick Bayless, very famous Chicago chef, um, very respected. You know, he was like, the bear has set our industry back 20 years because it depicts <laughs> kitchens as these nightmares. Did he see and the like, menu? Right. Uh, yeah. Or did he see Gordon Ramsay's yeah, right. like, TV shows? But, you know, he was basically like, no, no young person would ever want to come into our industry after watching The Bear. And then he, to his credit or detriment, admitted that he'd only watched half of the first season. But, you know, again, like this, this season feels, whether it's conscious or not, and I kind of feel like it is, and it doesn't make me feel great, but it feels like the makers of this show are responding a little bit to those outside voices saying we want to know these other characters a little bit more we want to not just we want to move beyond just the kind of like yelling and boiler you know pressure cooker situation and so maybe there was a little bit of that where we're just like we can be in this kitchen and we think and we think the tension's going to get broken with this guy and either he's going to be a, a total dick or like there's going to be a sexual release to that tension i mean I, that occurred to me as well it's like are they going to start making out you know um <laughs> But, you know, but none of, no, 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 in no way did the tension kind of get broken. It was just sort of like, oh, these are two adults who love their craft and they're just having an interaction. Well, and the other interesting thing was, and I'm not sure if you you got the point from the Will Poulter monologue about, you know, kind of what drives him. And he met a guy who was like just so much better than him. Right. And then he would realize he would never be that guy. Um you know, I wonder if there's something there uh, um, about being is and is Marcus picking up on this because you know Marcus has a little bit of that OCD 
quality, right? Like we saw that with the donuts and stuff like that. Is Marcus going to be okay with non-perfection? Yeah, it's a great lesson to learn. You know, don't let don't let perfect be the enemy of great. I guess. Um, yeah. And also, what was that thing that they ate? It was like a it was like a trifle, like a little gelatin mint thing that he said uh, tasted like a minty Snickers bar. I want that yeah. very stacked much. Little, the stacked it. little yeah. gelatin as, circles. As soon yeah. as he said it tastes but, like a minty <laughs> Snickers bar, my wife lit up and I was like, "Wait, why does Snickers not make this? Right. 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 <laughs> Why Snickers not spend several hours? <laughs> um, by the way, in terms of, I, I think I mentioned in the last um, podcast something about like if you have a, more stars, then you'll make like Michelin stars, then you make more money as a chef or something like that. And a friend of mine texted me, like, you know, it's very cute that you think having more stars means that you make more money. <laughs> she was like, well, the entire fine dining world is like built on like an economic web of like, unsustainability like it's not happening and that they do not they have to have ancillary um entrepreneurial pursuits in order to make you know their own personal economics work so um, but there's if, a nice so exchange between sydney and there's a nice exchange between sydney and carmine about exactly that you know what does it mean to have a star did you want it what did it do for you you know and it's not around necessarily money it's or not career. about money it's about right it's not about money or um well let's talk about that biker moment i did what were we supposed to get out of it? I mean, Jody, you brought it up like he finds this biker that's kind of been and fell into the fence or something weird, and he like kind of helps him out, and then that guy gives him this like extended hug. Um, what did you what did you make of that scene? I don't know what I made of it. Um, you know, other than like. Life is full of these little interactions and they don't always necessarily need to be like huge sliding doors moments. They're just little kind of moments where humans collide with each other. I, more than anything, I mean, I know this is like meta or whatever, but I just keep going back to kind of like what are the sort of signs that this show is trying to send about what kind of show it is. Um, and that felt like this little set piece that feels like a lot, you know, I, I mentioned like Master of None in Atlanta, like all the, there is a sort of modern kind of TV show that has these little kind of like vibe moments that aren't like checking a box for plot. Uh, they aren't even necessarily like doing character development in some sort of very concerted way. They're just little, little set pieces and they just kind of evoke something and then we move and then we drift along. Corey, like, what did you just read it at that? Corey, Here's what, what I you got. Get from it? Here's what I got out of that scene. How much America has ruined my spirit because <laughs> the entire time what I yeah. thought was going to happen was that he goes to help this guy. The cops show up and see a black man standing over mm. a bloodied biker and they were going to tase him. Like in my mind, that's the only thing that was going to happen. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, wait, we're not in America. That's that. That's not a thing. You know what I mean? So like the, it's similar to the scene with Will Poulter where like I was expecting this yeah. really insane thing and it just ended up being a I don't want to say nothing burger because like, you know, it's a, it was a fine scene. But yeah, I don't get why they did it at all. Uh, well, maybe it was to do exactly that. Yeah, to right. play with expectations maybe, in a sort of interesting Because, yeah, like I said, I thought that things had been going too well for Marcus. And now, like, again, the cops are going to show off, show up. He's in a foreign land. But, like, you know, didn't happen. But uh, yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was sweet. It's also like – it was also like there's something – of of a caretaker in Marcus, right? He's li yeah. quite literally a caretaker um, of his ailing mother, and then also in this situation, he's he's kind of like this momentary caretaker for this guy who shows him his you know appreciation with this like I just want to say even for uh, a, a person from Copenhagen that was a long hug. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't care what country you're from. That was a long hug, okay? Um, and uh, and so I, I thought there was like we're sort of seeing Marcus. He he never turns it off. Um, the other thing I thought is, you know, we're you when you're a caretaker for someone ailing like his mother. It might feel like a thankless task, right? Because she d is not physically able to show her appreciation. Um, and this man was like physically able to show his appreciation. And just to get even more ridiculous and like meta here, when I think there's something very 
strange to me about being a chef, about being, let's say, a novelist or something where you write something and you don't, you are not privy to the reaction of people, right? Like mm-hmm. you make a, you fucking mm-hmm. tweeze out the, what were those little fucking hazelnut slices? I don't even know what those were that he was putting in perfect increments around that little gelatin mold of almond be- slivers or something yeah. almond slivers whatever the fuck they were you know you're you're tweezing out these things it looks perfect and then it goes into the ether you don't even know if the person who d- received it on their table actually ate it you don't know if they finished it you don't know anything it's all about the process because it can't be about the reaction you know it can't be about the that person then coming to you and giving you an unnecessarily long hug about what a delicious meal they had, right? Well, but that's, I'm sure there's a chapter in Coach K's book about (laughs) the process versus outcome, right? I love the Coach K's book part, by the way. Can you you guys, do you know what I, me and Sydney both are not Coach K people, don't know the story, don't know know what it's about. Yeah, I mean, he's arguably, you know, well, he, he's inarguably in the top five best college coaches of all time. I mean, he was at Duke forever, but like, I just love it because it's a little piece of like, we get to know who her dad is a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, he's, he's supportive, but in his own way, like this is how he chooses to be like, Hey, you know what? And it's like, Oh, he's just, he's a man's man. He loves sports. I know, honey here, read coach K's book. (laughs) It's beautiful. Right. But is there something about that? I mean, it it, it is, is his, greatness uh it does it apply to everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, well, I mean, can i take lessons from it well i look i i just hosted a whole series about how you know sports can teach us all sorts of wonderful lessons about the world and ourselves and so i mean that, that was like music to my ears yeah okay that. but but you know i mean yes i think coach k is known as someone who kind of really builds a really good culture and cares about his players individually you know i think most good coaches are that way but i think that's kind of the message that was trying to be conveyed there is that she's reading this book that then from this person i think who has a reputation not as a like tyrant necessarily i mean he's definitely got like a big ego um but you know i think he's he's really good at building a culture i was sort of struck that the only quote from the coach k book that they name check is courage and confidence leads to decision making which is not that great of a yeah, right. aphorism. First off, courage and confidence are kind of the same thing. So it's like redundant. Courage and confidence leads to decision making. I mean, I get it. You know, it's true. But I just felt like there were other Coach K-isms uh, that I don't know if I've read that book. I mean, I've read John Wooden's book. I've read, you know, I've read a lot of these kinds of books and there actually are these nice little sayings in there. Um, but I was just it was just funny that I feel like they probably just like opened to the first page and picked some random phrase. And they're like, yeah, we'll just have her say that. What, what's the <laughs> podcast you just hosted about sports oh, teaching moments? Well, Thank you for that. No, uh, good sport. <laughs> the one that the one that uh, uh, name checked at the beginning. Okay, but, you know, I gotta about, check that out. All this stuff. Oh yeah, I would love for you to listen. Um, but but it, I do love this, and I wonder. I mean, I haven't seen the rest of the episodes. I don't know if you have, but I wonder if the Coach K, you know, seed is going to blossom in some sort of way. Um, right, right. Gonna, if it continues, yeah. Is he going to wander into the restaurant on opening night <laughs> and then great. deliver and then deliver a speech like at the end of Ratatouille when Anton Egon <laughs> talks about? You know, is he going to deliver a Coach K monologue? That would be my perfect ending. Yeah. Perfect absurd ending for this show. Um, well, folks, what are your final thoughts here as we wrap up see, um, episodes three and four? What do you? Th- I mean, so you're hoping there's a little, there's a Coach K wrap up? <laughs> are you know you're nervous? I mean, right. it is weird, right? Because we did we literally left. We're in Europe, and so I mean, do do you think it's just a world of shit waiting them in Chicago? Awaiting them in Chicago. Well, being someone who knows, I've I have watched you know through the episode six, and I now know these episodes, these vibe episodes to very much be the calm before the storm. <laughs> uh, so it's like to me, like, you know, now that I've watched through, I kind I like that they did these couple episodes that were like breaking away. Cause if you're binging it, which most people are, yes. it's nice to get a little break. Like they assume everybody's watching these at the same time. So it's like intense, intense, intense. Okay. Have your dinner, sit here and <laughs> in front of the TV and then pow. So I'm, I'm in, like I said, I like, I liken it to the Ted Lasso episodes where like, you know, we get away from soccer and it's just Coach Beard wandering through Europe on ecstasy, having this own his own little, you know, thing. So I'm I'm a fan. Huh. 
I should watch Ted Lasso. I didn't realize. I know. It was there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, but also yeah. Jody Sports Show. Come on. Yeah, I know. It's great. I, I actually, I have, I do have some thoughts about Ted Lasso. I'll, I'll save them for later. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I sort of had a have a sense, you know, not having seen it, that it's going to do what you just described, Corey. You know, like it's going to come back and we're going to snap into action. And I will say that's actually one of the advantages as someone who kind of has made multi-part things and decided about whether do you release them week by week or do you binge them when you binge it. It's nice because you can think of it as one big arc one and big you don't movie. have to worry about if people were waiting a whole week right. after these vibes episodes, they'd be like, what is this show? But for people who want to answer that right away, they can move on. And so I do, I do think that that affords them the ability to do these things. And yeah, I, I agree that it's going to come back. I mean, I, you know, very small things in addition to the coach K, like I have this feeling that that, throwaway Taylor Swift line is planting a seed and I maybe Corey, you know, I'm Corey, you're, you're shaking your head and so, or nodding your head. So maybe I'm right. But, you know, I love that little moment because I've had that same interaction with my daughter. Um, but, you know, <laughs> By the uh, way, the moment and it's funny because I think I had accidentally mis- misattributed it to this a, a previous episode. Um, but Rich, because I left it playing and then I stopped the episode and then it just got into my head. But the um, Richie is dropping off his daughter to his mom's house. He's trying to get a little bit of information on what his mom is up to what the mom's up to and he says um to his daughter as she's leaving i love you i love taylor swift too you know daddy just needed a break yeah i um, think it was an episode <laughs> three actually maybe yeah. but I, yeah, yeah that I'm was an episode three that, i'm sure i'm curious where that comes back um but yeah i'm, I'm ready to get back on the kind of TikTok in our yeah get back really into our mattering. main characters and I and I do I gotta be honest now having seen these four episodes my feeling is I'm missing the four of them in the same room the four mm-hmm. of them the many of them in the same room um, that's you know I, I do miss that and I do hope we get to see them kind of cooking together and I mean that story wise and I mean that literally <laughs> um, I, I hope we get to see that but what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow the two of you and what you have cooking Corey Ryan Forster can you remind us about your book and then all the wonderful places we can find you I sure can it's called Round Here and Over Yonder a travel guide by two progressive hillbillies with me and Trey Crowder you can get it anywhere uh, that you find books uh, you know I would suggest you support your local bookstore. That'd be awesome. And on my socials, uh, it's at Corey R. Forrester on everything. And if you follow me, you'll see links to buy the book. Round here over yonder. Appreciate it. And Jody Avergan, where do they find you? Um, well, people can check out Good Sport. Um, you know, I'd love for you to listen to that. I also host a, a political history show with Radiotopia. Um, but... I don't know. Twitter's worthless now. So find me, I guess, on my <laughs> website, true. which is my name, jodyavergen.com. Uh, and, you know, you can find all my work there. Uh, all right. And you know where to find me and all the things that I do. And folks, um, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com for any thoughts that you might have. Uh, I want to thank our wonderful, wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making the show a possibility. Thank you to Gabby Alter for our theme music. And we will be back in your earballs on Thursday. That was a HeadGum Podcast.